Good morning, Chantel. <laughs> it is in the wee early hours of a Sunday morning. Yeah, yes, in it quarantine. Is. Still in quarantine. <laughs> so why not record a podcast at eight a.m. on a Sunday morning? Yeah, that's right. Is it eight a.m. already? It feels like no, it's so it's much not earlier. Quite. <laughs> it's not quite eight a.m. We got about it's like fifteen till. Yeah. So still the groggy. The groggy sound in the voice. Yeah, the morning voice. <laughs> the morning voice. Yep, coffee and, uh, yep, and morning voice. Yep. Um, so yesterday we decided to do something, which was quite fun. Um, we went on a, we, we actually thought, I thought, okay, from where we live in Medford, to, or actually Central Point, uh, there's a town called Ashland that's about... Uh, 20 miles. 20 miles. Uh, exactly south of here. And and there is a place called Ruby's that they make some epic burritos. Heavenly burritos. So good. The ingredients are good. The way that they toast the tortilla before they wrap and then after they wrap it mm-hmm. is just, just the little details are just mm-hmm. so and the hash browns are crispy, and mm-hmm. they've got some pepperoncinis and some jalapenos mm-hmm. and, and eggs and steak. And then they have this cheese mm. sauce that they put on there. And then the, the hot sauce, yep. the rooster sauce. Yeah, the oh rooster boy. sauce. Oh, yeah. so good. And so yesterday, um, as most of you know, as the listeners know, Lou and I work together, and we're also roommates. So we are in the same house. Um, and so through this quarantine... We have uh, you know, Zoom calls, we have conference calls, we have classes that we coach. Um, we also do this uh, this little meeting on Saturday mornings called Coffee in Quarantine. Um, with and then girls. we record podcasts. And we record podcasts. Yeah. And so it actually works out really great yeah. that we live together. Cause <laughs> so welcome to the Dear Life I'm In podcast. I'm Lou Crenshaw. And I am Chantel Dayton. Um, yeah, and so this is this is like it's really cool that we still get to work and and produce things um, while in this lockdown, uh, so <laughs> yeah. to speak. Um, yeah, so it's it's great. Yeah. And and so yesterday while we were on um, this call with our girls, coffee and quarantine, after we got off, I was like, hey, do you wanna? What do you think about? Riding our bikes to Ashland and getting ourselves a burrito. Yeah. You actually said, what do you think about doing that tomorrow? Yeah. And I was like, well, uh, let's do it today. (laughs) There's no plans for today. It's like the guy at the coffee shop this morning. What are your plans for today? It's like, uh, not much. (laughs) I was like, I rode my bike to Ashland yesterday and my legs hurt. So probably a lot of stillness. (laughs) Probably a lot of sitting still. Yeah. Yeah. And so we go through the, uh, the whole bike check, you know, and, um, so we decide to do it and we go out, check the bikes, check the air, make sure that you have the things that you need just in case, which I'm not really even sure what you'd need just in case a tube. something happens. No tubes. Yeah. No tubes. No I normally tubes. have a, a tube and, um, I had one for years in my backpack and then never used it. And so of course took it out of the backpack. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Um, and so we, uh, we did the check and then we, we took off at around 10 o'clock. Is that what time it was around there? Well, coffee and quarantine went until 10. So maybe 11. Yeah. 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 30, 11. 11. Yeah. yeah. So we hopped on our bikes and we, uh, rode South to Ashland. 
and mm-hmm. it was um, it was a beautiful day. Everything was great. I have a very bad sunburn on my legs that I was not realizing that I would have. I guess when you're riding in the trees and it's shady, you're not thinking about your quads. No. And my quads look like tomatoes. <laughs> they are so red with a really cute... Luckily, I had my like short Lulus on, and so like I, it's not a like you know mid thigh tan line. It's a little, yeah. it's a little higher, which is which is good. Yeah, those who know Lulus, not an early tan. <laughs> those who know Lulus know that when you sit down, sometimes they kind of disappear like up yeah. like the front of the thigh, so it doesn't even really look like you're wearing shorts. <laughs> yeah, but then luckily they're a little longer in the back, so then mm-hmm. you do have shorts on. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we we made it to Ashland. Yeah, two hours. Yeah, it took about two hours, and we went um, We went down, we ordered uh, the burritos, we ate the burritos, but really when you do things like that, it's it's so, it's not like a a destination where you, you ride your bike really far, like the actual adventure is riding the bike. It's the bike. It's nothing, it is not about like what you're going to do when you get there. Although because, it definitely was about the burrito for me when I yes, got there. I yes. really was ready. I know you really wanted Flip Burger, but earlier in the morning when you had said, let's get a Ruby's burrito, I couldn't stop talking about Ruby's. And then you were talking <laughs> about a hamburger and fries and I was like, I still want the burrito. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I had... um I so obviously we get there and and it's about riding there to get the burrito. But then once you actually eat the burrito, it's it's not about like what you're gonna do when you get there because you are coming back. Like you're riding home. That's the event. Um and so this kind of brought up some some memories of when uh you wanna tell them a little bit about so Lou and I went to Holland this last summer um for seven weeks. Yeah. Um, well, we were in Holland for five weeks. For five for weeks. For an, an apprenticeship. Yeah. Uh-huh. So five weeks for work. Yeah. 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 And you live on bikes in Holland. That's mm-hmm. what you do, right? You ride your bikes everywhere. There's like traffic jams with bikes and you got to like learn to ride a bike in traffic with a lot of people. Like mm-hmm. you just have to learn a new skill. And most of you probably know the Dutch people are the tallest people in the world. So the average height of a woman is 5'9". And the average man, I think, is like 6'1 or something. Yeah, yeah. I think it's like 6'1. Um, so needless to say, their bike frames are a little bit taller than the ones here. <laughs> so, so I got me the smallest bike frame that you could get. And the seat was as low as possible. And I could still barely touch the ground. Because it's not important when riding bikes in Holland. It is not important as to whether or not... You look cool. Well, it wasn't for me. Like I had people. Wait, like, wait, wait. Lou. That's that's always a consideration for me. Well, <laughs> my my I want to look cool, but I also don't need to crash my bike in the streets. That is okay, very true. so yeah, so I did that. Yeah, you <laughs> we'll did. get there. Yeah. Okay. Um. So the the bike frames and the pedals, like they're a, they're a normal distance away from each other. But in order for me to sit on the seat and be able to get my foot to touch the ground at a stoplight, I was riding like with my knees in my chin because (laughs) because my bike seat was so low. Um, And so I had some friends who are like bikers from the States. I'd see videos and be like, you have got to raise your seat up. You look so silly with your knees that high. And I'm like, but it's the only way 
that like in a traffic jam, I can stop and like get my feet on the ground and get my feet off the ground to get going when everything goes. Yeah. Because when you're surrounded by like 50 humans going through like a little crosswalk, like you got to be ready. <laughs> yeah, yes, you do. Yeah. And they're all on bikes. They're all on the bikes. And, and they know what they're doing. They've been doing it since they were like infants. Yeah. 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 They've been riding on daddy's and mommy's bikes since they like came out of the womb. Yeah. It's yeah. like, it is straight up. Those of you that have been to Holland who live in Holland know that it's, well, maybe you don't know if you live there because maybe you haven't seen um, you know, bike traffic anywhere else. But you here, you know, in the States, in Oregon, you have people who ride bikes, but... Not like this. No, not even close. The streets revolve, the traffic revolves around bikes. Yes. Like, you yes. feel more unsafe in a car or walking than you do on a bike. Yeah. It's just about, like, the ratio is, like, reversed. <laughs> yes. Here. So, and when people are like, oh, yeah, there's lots of bikes. People ride their bikes everywhere. We're like, no, it is... It is the, like, the means of, like, transportation. Like, yes. there are... And in all seasons of life. Yes. When, when it's snowing, when it's raining, when it's sleeting, when it's hailing, mm-hmm. when it's mm-hmm. sunny. It's... Yeah. You're riding your bike. Yeah. So they are... They're serious and they're good. Yeah. They they're are real good. good. But I think the greatest thing about that was that never, probably in my five weeks of being in Holland, did I ever feel like I ate too much food. I never felt really full because... You ride your bike to where you go, then you eat your food, and then you ride your bike home. Mm-hmm. And there's no Costco in Holland because, mm-hmm. well, you get from the grocery store what you can carry on your bike. Yeah. So yeah. your grocery runs are daily. Yeah. Although you have to say there was some impressive amounts of things that people got on their bikes. I was like, wow, I yeah. would not, but still, yeah. there's no like... That's Maybe. like when I lived in Cambodia and people would get on their mopeds and they would have like pigs and children mm-hmm. and a mattress. And mm-hmm. you're like, how <laughs> is that even possible? How did you get four? At one time there would be like five grown men on a moped. Yeah. <laughs> five. That's, yeah, that's yeah. impressive. It was, it was, yeah. Or like a whole family. <laughs> yeah. Three kids, mom, dad. Guys, do what you got to do. Oh man. Maybe not five guys, maybe like four. But they're, yeah. the amount of things that that people can when it's their mode of transportation mm-hmm. you know it's they can do great things what they can do yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's see what i can do <laughs> yeah well we kind of had one of those moments where let's see what we can do we thought we were staying in utrecht and we um were thinking oh let's let's ride our bikes to amsterdam right which was two hours north of us little less yeah it was like two hours north and we thought, oh, this will this will be great. And some of the people that we were that we were there with said, yeah, it'll be great. We've done it before. Um, but then the morning that we woke up to go on this bike ride, it was gorgeous, right? It was absolutely gorgeous. The sun was out. Um, the temperature was supposed to be I don't even know what what it was, but it was it was supposed to be really great. And 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 so then we had asked. A friend of ours, Richard, and he said, um, yeah, you guys should go to the coast. Den Haag. Den Haag. Yeah. And so we obviously, you know, Google mapped it and um, at our B&B and we're like, we could totally do this, right? How far was it, Lou? It was like 45 miles. Yeah. 45 miles. And so. 40, 45 miles. And it said, uh, so basically it was going to be four hours. Yeah. Um, four, four and a half hours. Richard said four to five hours. Yeah. Four yeah. to five hours. 
Yeah. And so we have, um, so we, we, we plan this. I take screenshots of all of, because we don't have, um, we, we aren't going to have Wi-Fi, and we didn't have our um, our phones set up to actually, in, in an emergency we did, um, but we're like, we could totally do this by just doing screenshots, and I had probably, I don't know how many screenshots of the directions on how to get there. I think there was like 19 or something. It, yeah, it was insane. And so, um, but then come to find out, we could actually, I was using my GPS, it was, it was actually working, it was working really well. Um, and so we start off and we are just like two little chipper, uh, just tourists and we're loving this idea that we get to ride from, from Utrecht to Den Haag and it's going to be, um, it's going to be great. And we get on the road and I am holding my phone in front of me. Um, I'm have my right hand on the bike and my left hand is, is on the phone and it doesn't leave that position for the entirety <laughs> of the trip. You want to tell them how long it took us to get there? Uh, well, can we, one, say that we were wearing shorts and rain jackets, just in oh, case yes. it rained, okay. right? Okay. Shorts, rain jackets, Birkenstocks, <laughs> you know, because it's going to be just, Birkenstocks have a nice hard bottom. We're going to the beach. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, Chantel has a bike that's got gears. I have a single speed bike. Mm-hmm. So my little short legs are riding a single speed bike, Birkenstocks, rain jacket, and shorts. Mm-hmm. And it took us eight hours. <laughs> eight. Because we had so many detours. Yeah. Because of the GPS. Yeah. Eight hours. And the apparently there is a bike path. There's a bike way that you take and it's like we did not find it we didn't find it nor nope. were we really looking for it because we didn't know until we got about we got through where we were like crossing the bike it had like like the signage saying that this is the bike path and mm-hmm. we're like wow there's a bike path and then obviously when we reach our destination and um our friend Richard says yeah there's a bike there's actually a bike path and we thought oh my gosh so it was actually really cool because an adventure for sure. Yes, an adventure for but sure. But eight hours of riding a bike in Birkenstocks. Was no joke. I don't think at that point in time I had ever been on a bike longer than... No. Longer than two hours. Yeah, probably not. Ever. Like ever. And yeah. even then, that was the longest. And probably the second longest was maybe like 45 minutes. And we weren't like trying to stop and take breaks because we were just trying to get there. Yeah. 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 So we we set out. Once we get there... Like, once we get there, it is, we are so exhausted, we take the train back. <laughs> yeah, we ate, and then took and the, then train take back. the train back. Actually, we did, like, a token sort of ride around the neighborhood, kind of where the beach was at, just to say we saw some sights. Yeah. But it really wasn't that. It was literally like, let's just find the train station and ride home. And then the train ride was 40 minutes. Yeah. yeah. And we'd be like, oh my gosh, we, we rode <laughs> by that, that spot. Yeah. But we saw castles, we saw windmills, we saw epic neighborhoods that you accidentally rode into and realized like, oh, this is a, this is a closed neighborhood. You can't get out of here. This yeah. is like the Sun River of Holland. And, you know, it, yeah, it, that was, that was a day for sure. And then there was like probably a little bit of PTSD the next couple of days that neither one of us wanted to sit on a bike seat. Yeah, no. I don't want to no. sit on a bike seat today either. No, I didn't even want to sit on a bike seat going from where we had parked our bikes to the train station. <laughs> yeah, you remember that? Yeah, oh, but it was far. It was like, so how long far. can I stand up? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. 
Um, yeah. Think- so needless to say, this morning when I got in the car to um, go get coffee, I sat down and I was like, oh, I sat <laughs> for four hours on a bike seat this morning. <laughs> <laughs> this weekend, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, not this morning, yesterday. Yeah. Um, I think that there's a there's a really cool connection um, when we can look at things like that where in a lot of the time we think about what we're going to do when we get there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like what we are, what we're going to do even yesterday, like what we were going to do. I never thought about what we were going to do necessarily when we got to Ashland because I knew that I just wanted a burrito and yeah. I knew we were just going to come home. But yeah. um, a lot of the most interesting things happen on the way to places. Yeah. And it realizing that once we the GPS and the way that it the cool ways that we had to try to find our our ways around things not yesterday but when we were in Holland when we came to a place where you clearly it said we could walk through but you couldn't ride your bike through or the places where it took us where they were dead ends or private drives and we then had to find our way around the things that we got to see were just absolutely incredible and even if we were in a car or if we were on a train, we would we would we wouldn't have seen yeah like the majority of the things that we saw. Like yes, we were on paths that were parallel to roads and and things like that. And yeah, but, there was some like freeway time that was kind of like oh mm-hmm. this isn't yeah. If it had been like that the whole time, it probably wouldn't have been as wonderful. But yeah, we saw castles and yeah. Remember that one neighborhood where everybody had their own like drawbridge because they had like a yeah. moat going through the front of their yard yeah, it was so cool where when when we went obviously going to holland i had an idea of what it would be like um and but and the idea was that it was going to look kind of fairy taleish, mm-hmm. you know like the neighborhood like hansel and gretel kind of yeah <laughs> yeah somewhat there were some places yeah and so when we had started um we drove by these beautiful fields with these huge windmills and the sun and the grass and just the the plains that you went through and it was they were absolutely beautiful and but what was interesting was that riding for eight hours you find beauty sometimes in the beginning of the adventure (laughs) you know like we can say um like wow it was it was just the mountains were gorgeous and the weather was absolutely beautiful. And once you take that in, you know, I don't believe that we have like a capacity to to take that in. I feel like sometimes as humans, we we just look for the next the next thing that is beautiful that will stimulate us in some way. Well, I think we have the capacity. We just don't know how to activate it. Yeah. Or we yeah. don't choose to engage with it yeah yeah I I feel like we are we're so used to going from one thing to the next because we feel like I I definitely believe that like capacity can be built and what I'm saying and what I'm not saying is that it's like that as humans we're just dumb and we don't see the things around us that that we like really want you know to not necessarily um like that that we go through like these these places or these times where we are everything is new and so things are shiny and we we can then absorb them but i do believe that we can build the capacity it's just the awareness or even like what's happening around 
around us or in the moment when it still is hard and it's like the choice to still find the beauty, you know, like, so riding our bikes, it was the first hour, everything was so beautiful. And then the second hour, it was still beautiful. But then the third hour, it became more like for me, like, gosh, like what, when are we going to get there? You know, so then it was just looking at the, at the destination when really I had four more hours in front of me, not really even knowing that because I didn't know how long it was really going to take. And, and yet still wanting to like, what's next, what's next, what's next, like still looking for that rather than just being like, wow, look at all the things that are in front of me right now. But also wondering if you have what it takes to get all the way there. Yeah. Like, am I even going to have the, the, the gusto and I don't, I don't think we packed any, um, the, maybe there was like a couple of like some pistachios or something, but it wasn't like there was this overflow of water and, you know, there wasn't like we had the, the preparedness for even an eight hour bike ride, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. like, do we, do we have the capacity for how many more weeks of staying home? Like, what is my capacity to be here mm-hmm. when hoping it's just maybe next week or the week after or the week after um, in, instead of, like you're saying, being in the reality of the moment of here's where I am. I've, we've been riding for four hours, but we've taken so many U-turns that we actually have not covered very much distance at all. Mm-hmm. But we don't know how much distance we have or have not covered. It was so, mm-hmm. it was completely unknown as to when we were actually going to get there. We like literally had no clue mm-hmm. because the arrow wasn't, the GPS thing wasn't moving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then you finally get there and then you're so exhausted that the only goal is to feed my body mm-hmm. and then take the train home. Yeah. <laughs> Luckily we didn't have to ride home. Yeah. But yet even yesterday, yesterday was challenging to like eat the burrito and then obviously a friend had said like, hey, I'm right off the bike path. And so we went and hung out for a little bit in our safe distances between human beings and had some conversation and then was finally like, okay, it's probably probably time to go home. And then was like, hey, do you want to ride home? Do you want, I could just put the bikes in the back of the truck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like that sounds so tempting. Yeah. So tempting. Yeah. But no, I'm going to ride. I'm going to ride home. <laughs> and then let's see if we can get home faster than when we, than mm-hmm, getting here. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. did, was that, did we do that? Uh, I think so. Yeah. 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 I think we did. By like maybe 20 minutes or something. Yeah. Something yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, you look at the, you know, Lou, you and I, we have, um, it's, it's great even like in business, like you and I working together because we both have such different perspectives on things, you know, and, and when we look at something like this, like adventure and we look at, um, and what's so cool is that you are always down for an adventure, you know, (laughs) and I am too, which could be great, but it also can be somewhat like making a choice to do a bike ride that you didn't really research a whole lot (laughs) and then find out in the middle of it. You're like, uh, we've got to figure this out. Really research a whole lot. Let's uh, There was no research. Yeah. There was no research. It was like, somebody said it'd only take this long and you're like, cool. It should be really easy. (laughs) Well, yeah, I, I mean, I'll take, I'll take the, I'll I'll take that one because when I did like research that morning, I She's putting up her fingers in parentheses. Yeah. Yeah. In the quotes. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I had, you know, I had really, I pulled up all the things and I was like, this is going to be really hard. 
but we can totally do it, you know? And that's, that's the thing that, um, I think we, even in this time, you know, all of the things that are happening around us right now, that, um, not that we are choosing this, this isn't an adventure, you know, like this isn't a, um, a choice to go on a bike ride or do something like this. This is something that is, um, it's, it's imposed, you know, it is, it is a, this is, yeah, it's required. Um, and so, so often we do, we look for, uh, we look for the end, mm-hmm. um, which I think is natural. You know, we do look for something that is that we don't see or find joy in, or sometimes we don't see or find purpose in, or we, we become annoyed with it. Um, we then just look for when is this going to be over? Yeah. Um, but really acknowledge like how we are growing. And this isn't, this is, this is beyond quarantine. You know what I mean? Like this is beyond what, what we're going through right now. Um, it's, it is the, you know, the goal, setting the goal that you know you can work toward, but then also not just killing yourself or testing yourself until that goal, until you pass the test. It's enjoying learning. It's enjoying what's around you. It's enjoying the people that you run into. Like if we didn't, if we didn't turn at least one of those wrong directions, you remember that older guy who mm-hmm. told us he came out, uh, we turned the wrong way. We were looking at our GPS when we were in Holland, and he was out on his porch. And uh, he, I'm, I, I'm pretty sure he was speaking German. I'm not really sure. And um, but yet he had, you know, some broken English in there, and he was asking us where we were going. And I remember it just being hysterical, and it kind of lightened the mood um, because he was telling us that where we wanted to go, we told him that we were going to the beach and he was telling us that it was just right down the street. Yeah. It's and like 45 minutes or something like that. Yeah. Just, and we were like, we are, we had just started. Yeah. <laughs> so we were so far away. And, um, and I think sometimes we forget that, um, in life we are, we are the other side of someone else's story as well. You know, like we, we don't know, like, did he tell, you know, his wife or his grandkids or his kids like, hey, these two crazy American girls were on these bikes and they came up like, are we the things that happen in our life um, and other people are participating in in like wherever we're at, whether it be at work or whether it be on a bike ride. And then part of our story is that shared at their dinner table, you know, later on. Like, you remember back when, you know, this happened or, but we don't even know when those moments are like that happen in our life that can be unusual for other people. But sometimes I think about that. Sometimes I think about like, was there the time that I got out of my car and tripped over the curb and almost fell on my face with somebody sitting in their car and like, you know, saw that and laughed or giggled. And then they told somebody else about it. And you remember that one time we were sitting in the car and that girl got out of her car and she almost fell on her face. And you remember we laughed about it. And, um, and so I think that it's, it's, we have a a hard time, I think, being present and, um, you know, as, as we're all talking about now, like that present in the moment, but then also just seeing, being like, wow, like we actually can live fully and still look forward to it being over, but not um, dismissing all of life in between the start of this and the finish, you know? 
Yeah. But what if like even, even the ability to like change a mindset of, I can't wait until this is over or I could, I could switch my language and say, you know, I can't wait until I'm able to do this and I'm able to do this and I'm able to do this. And even like, even what that can shift in our minds of like, oh, I can't wait until this is over. Or it's like, I can't wait until I take my family and then we go to Disneyland. And then I can't wait to open up the gym and launch everything new that we've been working on forever. And even those two, those two like the situation is exactly the same. Like the situation hasn't changed, but even it's, it's like what our nervous system does in the middle of, um, threat and challenge. My nervous system is doing the same thing. It's getting prepared to do something. Mm -hmm. My blood pressure is increased. My pupils are dilated. My breath's increasing. My, my blood is going to my appendages because they're getting ready to do something. And so my, my mindset can even be that I'm, I'm being threatened or I'm getting ready to be challenged. But what's happening in my head is that, that difference of like, oh, I'm being threatened right now or, oh, I'm rising to the occasion to be challenged. Mm -hmm. And so I know I, I love talking about it because I think it's so, it's so helpful. So even in the midst of all of this, for us to, to instead of like, it's still the same outcome. Like we're all ready for the day that we get to freely roam once again as humans upon the earth. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. Um, but that, that ability to see, um, to, to, to see it differently in that it's, like, what if I stop thinking about just, oh, oh, I can't wait till this is over. And I can't wait until all of these things. I think the hope sounds different, mm-hmm. right? Because hope is that stuff that we can't see yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like the old man where I'm like, he, um, he instilled, like, was he trying to instill hope that we were almost there? And you're like, oh, it's only 45 minutes away. You know, and you're like, there's not a chance in the world, but maybe we got something wrong <laughs> yeah. and there's only 45 minutes instead of like, yeah. we have seven hours, yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, but those simple moments of still being able to be in the reality of where we are, um, but then be in the reality of what's coming mm-hmm. and, you know, what is happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's, we can, we can do something in our mind, just like before you step into a workout or before you step into a situation that you feel like you're being threatened, you're not maybe being threatened, you're just being challenged. Mm-hmm. And if I can start thinking about like, oh, I'm, I'm getting ready to be challenged and my body is rising to the occasion to do something hard mm-hmm. or somebody's trying to hurt me or yeah. this is a threat. And you're like, it's not actually. Yeah. It just feels like that. Yeah. That's good. But strictly because of a mindset. Yeah. Strictly because of a choice that I'm making in what I'm doing with my, with my, my thought process. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because ultimately we, we, we really want to hang on to hope, but we don't, we don't like surprises. Mm -hmm. We as humans, our brains, we, we don't like surprises. We like to predict what's happening. Mm -hmm. And, um, that's a whole like scientific thing that I fully don't understand. And so I'm not even going to talk about it, but our, our brain makes predictions. And when, the prediction is not what it was. We have to adapt to the situation and mm-hmm. we either have to make another prediction or we have to change our mind about it or we have to do something different mm-hmm. um, and be able to, that's, that's how we adapt. It's how we grow. It's how we function in situations that are not exactly what we, what we thought that they would be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, even, you know, somebody, if you look at my, my mind 
I, I really, I like to be prepared for things, you know, like I really do. And so sometimes even as like a kid and a teenager, I would, um, prepare myself for, uh, for everything, you know, very rarely would I prepare myself for the best. It was, it was always like, I just want to be prepared for the worst. If this happens, then I can do this. If this happens, then I can do this. And a lot of it is, um, I think like avoiding embarrassment when you're a kid, you know, if this happens when I'm riding my skateboard, um, you know, or my bicycle or my, you know, if I fall, I could totally play it off as like cool as this happening, you know, this is what happened or, um, and so I think that the, you know, I totally agree with, with all of what you're saying and, and the, even the thought of, um, like even what's happening in the season, you know, like I want to be prepared for everything. And yeah. so we think of the worst of, you know, losing the job or, you know, losing our home or, um, you know, whatever, whatever it may be. And we look at that and we say, okay, what can we do in this moment before that happens to prepare for that, mm-hmm. um, to prepare for it actually happening or, uh, to, to prepare so that it doesn't happen, you know, to prevent it from happening. Um, and I think mine was a lot of like prevention, you know, it was like, what can I do so I can prevent this from happening? And, um, and I actually think that that's, that's a lot of, you know, when you think about little kids and even their families and their friends, like what, you know, consciously, um, or not even, not even consciously, you know, like, but sometimes it is like, what can I do to make sure that I still fit, uh, with my friends, you know, like what, what am I, um, I'm going to do things or say things that, um, maybe curse, maybe, maybe curse, maybe drink, maybe do drugs, whatever it is, depending on the age, like, so that I still fit in. Um, and we do the same thing, you know, like in our family sometimes, like, am I goofy and are my, my family doesn't like me being goofy. So I'm going to stop being goofy so that I can fit in. And, um, and so that the people that are around me, that are the closest that take care of me, um, are still going to take care of me. You know, they're still going to choose me. And it's, um, you know, knowing that, uh, you know, even growing older and learning from people that I've come across, you know, having you as my best friend, learning from you, learning from, you know, my parents, even now, like, uh, having the patience and even the perspective of like, wow, like people who struggle still have a, a story, people who annoy me, you know, still have, choices that they're making every day and why are we making these choices and why do we continue to make the same choices over and over again and we were talking about hope yesterday with one of um our girls on the coffee and quarantine she she headed up coffee and quarantine and she asked all of us she said hey what are you guys doing in this season to cultivate hope and I'm like man I had never I've never even thought about like what how to cultivate hope, Mm -hmm. you know, like never, ever. And it was interesting to reflect on because as some other girls were sharing, I was just thinking about what hope really does look like to me. And, and it really came down to, um, even like what you're, what you were even saying about like the mind and what the mind does and like how it finds comfort, you know, in, in like even what you were just describing and, um, and like knowing something, you know, like it makes a prediction and it, um, it, it needs, it needs to figure it out in order to feel safe and in order to like to function. So it does, it goes a lot of different directions that we, most of us have absolutely no idea that it's actually happening or our brain actually works that way. 
And, um, and I was thinking about, uh, just recently, like in, in the conversations and things with, with people that I know, knowing that everything that's, that's going on in the world, like right now is a, a massive stressor. And so I feel like it's revealing people's character, um, that, that are close to me and that I love, and I am disappointed and in a way that isn't like, you know, oh my gosh, you're a horrible human or, oh my gosh, you are, you know, but in a way where I actually want to say something because I love them. And so, and so my mind goes to this place of, I need to talk to them. Okay. This is what I'm going to say. And then I role play in my mind. This is what I'm going to say. And then this is what they're going to say. And then this is what I'm going to say. And then I win. You know, I try to win, make sure that I'm preparing myself with the right conversation, the right words, the right sentences, um, the right comebacks, um, the right examples, the right, the right, the right, all these right things, um, when really it's just so that my heart comes across. Um, and I'm the kind of person that will have this conversation in my head and win, but then I'll never have the conversation with the person ever. And so this conversation of hope yesterday really brought to light, wow, if I, if I actually like hope for me is knowing that I have the opportunity to make a different choice, you know, and it's, it's like, I can actually go through this conversation maybe in my head, but yet I still can have the conversation for real with this person. You know, I can still engage with them and I can still have, like I said, I can have the conversation. I can make a different choice, even though that this is always what happens with me is this is what I say. I'll have the conversation in my head and then I'll never talk to the person. And so for me, hope is, is knowing that I can actually choose something different. I don't have to wait for something else different to happen. I can actually be that I could be the different, you know, I can be the difference. I can, I can say like, okay, this is, I'm actually going to have this conversation and I don't have to, I can change this. I can communicate better because I feel like a lot of our struggle is that we don't feel understood or that we, um, the, the harder we try to communicate with people, sometimes we just feel like, ah, just nobody's understanding me. I'm not understood. And, um, and so that's why I feel like we do, or at least me, how I will play out in my head, like all these conversations that, uh, that then I'm like, okay, I feel comfortable enough to say something. Um, but then I never do. And so like hope for me is knowing that I can choose something different. Mm. Yeah. Well, and hope, hope is not a byproduct of just, it just happens all of a sudden you're like, well, wow, I really want to have hope, but Hope ultimately comes on the other side of struggle, right? Hope comes in, like, in your situation. Like, it's not a struggle to have a conversation with yourself in your mind. It creates a lot of anxiety inside of you, but there's the struggle would actually be engaging in the conversation with humans. Let's say you're like, I need to have a conversation with you, Lou, because you're freaking driving me up the wall. Mm -hmm. And so you can have your conversation in your brain, which creates a lot of anxiety inside of you, but the anxiety doesn't go anywhere, right? It's still just the conversation that's in you. And so the struggle truly comes with, like you said, the, the, the ability to move into the conflict and to, 
to engage with the struggle and stay in the struggle long enough to have persevered through it that then you learn something about your character. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, that's where we find hope in that you are on the other side of the conversation. You had the conversation. You're like, Lou, this is driving me crazy. This is really hard. And the ability to, to engage in the conflict to where you, you stay in it long enough to see the other side of it where you then realize that, oh my gosh, this, this was what happened. This was what I was capable of. And then you were, then you wonder like, oh my gosh, what else could I do? Mm-hmm. Right. And that's, that I think is, is it's the key to, to really cultivating hope in our life. And we can't, we can't necessarily, um, cultivate hope where we're not actually engaging with, um, with the struggle. Mm-hmm. Right. So if we're, we're constantly feeling hopeless and discouraged and disappointed. Ultimately, have we been willing and able and and choosing to stay in struggle long enough to learn something about ourselves? But struggle is hard, and learning something about ourselves usually doesn't look like um, peaches and rainbows. It looks like seeing our own selves, being really honest about what's going on right now and, and being in reality, um, like acknowledging what's truly happening and then holding on to hope at the same time and then staying engaged in the midst of it. Mm -hmm. It's why constantly living in the past or constantly living in the future, which is just a lot of anxiety and constantly living in the past is just a little bit depressing. Mm -hmm. It's why the present is so important because it means that we're here with what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah. You have something to read to us. Oh, yeah. I'm, a, I'm reading this really great book. Actually, Chantel bought it. Um, I definitely, I, I think it was written probably, it's definitely, it's written by a, uh, a guy that's a Navy SEAL, but he's, also got a PhD from Oxford, and he's a really, really great writer. Um, but he's What's his definitely name? Um, Eric Greetens, mm-hmm. and the book is called Resilience. And it's uh, so hard one, hard won wisdom from living a better life, and it's actually really great. Um, a lot of uh, a lot of he loves to tell stories, and he was obviously a um, he's a military guy, so there's a lot of. Um, like talking about Greek mythology and warriors and things like that, which, I mean, sometimes sparks the heart of a woman, but mostly it's like, ooh, I want a warrior man like that, you know? <laughs> and so some of it you're just like following where he's like, but he's he's basically, these are letters that he wrote to a friend who um, he was he was one of his, uh, he was a fellow Navy SEAL and has since gone home and is really struggling to live life at home with, um, this so he's writing him these letters that are just they're incredible cool. <laughs> they're so good yeah um but yesterday before we even um started uh um talking about hope I had actually read this and so as one of our girls started talking about this um it was it was really interesting and so I, I had read this to them and I was like oh my gosh and then we started talking about the podcast and so he's he's talking to his friend Zach and he says Zach do you remember the Stockdale paradox They taught us in survival, evasion, resistance, and escape school. Before we went out in the woods to starve for a week, then get captured, locked in cages, beaten during interrogations, 
and blasted at night by the sounds of crying children pumped through loudspeakers. They wanted us to learn a lesson from Admiral James Stockdale, a pilot whose plane was shot down over Vietnam in 1965. He endured seven and a half years of captivity and tortured as a prisoner of war. He organized a system of discipline and coded communication for his fellow POWs. He refused, even under torture, to offer intelligence to his captors. Can you imagine being in captivity for seven and a half years? No. And just not giving it up? No. <sighs> That's a man. Yeah, Jeez. no kidding. For his resilience in captivity and his leadership of his fellow prisoners, Stockdale earned the Congressional Medal of Honor. Stockdale observed that the POWs who broke the faster... The fastest were those who deluded themselves about the severity of the ordeal. They imagined that they would be freed next week or next month or by Christmas. But he lasted unbroken for seven and a half years because, in part, he refused to lie to himself. Hmm. How often we lie to ourselves. <laughs> Never. Oh, we love lying and hiding. It just feels, it's just so much safer. It's mm -hmm. so much safer than acknowledging reality. Mm-hmm. And there's a difference between acknowledging reality and, and I'll get to that. But here's how he explained the Stockdale paradox. paradox. You must never confuse faith that you will prevail in the end, which you can never afford to lose. With the discipline to confront the most brutal facts of your current reality, whatever they might be. In the face of hardship, you have to maintain a clear focus on your harsh reality. It does you no good to sugarcoat the facts. It does you no good to fantasize but what might be you have to maintain clarity about your reality. The paradox, however, is that at the very same time, you have to find a way to maintain hope. Mm. That's so good. And I think in our day and age with what social media is, we don't know what reality is. Mm -hmm. We don't know what the reality of like, what reality are we holding on to? Because we're so unsure about the reality that is being, you know, I know the, what the reality inside my house looks like, but mm -hmm. to the rest of the world, I, I don't know. Yeah. What's real? What's propaganda? What's fake? What's being heightened? What's trying to get uh, a, a manipulated state? What's trying to instill fear? Like, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Right? Um, he goes on to say, Walker, you used to ignore your own brutal reality. I remember you telling me that you were working, taking care of your family, paying the mortgage, getting stuff done, and drinking on the weekends. After one beer, you'd be bitching about all of the guys who'd come home from war and were whining about PTSD. You'd pretend that you had it all together. You were lying to yourself. Soon enough, reality kicks down your front door and then you can't pretend anymore. Pain is real and we do better dealing with it when we acknowledge it. When we acknowledge pain, we shine a light on it. Pain doesn't like this. Pain prefers to slip quietly into your psyche and breed with fear. Pain would rather lurk in the shadows and ambush you. Pain doesn't like to be seen or understood. Stockdale said that you must confront the brutal facts of your reality. When we stop running from pain and acknowledge it, we see it for what it is. Often under our gaze, it freezes in place. Then we can face it. Pain comes in many forms. Fear does too. But some people would rather face spears than face facts. Confronting your current reality requires discipline and courage. So don't expect yourself to be perfect every time you act. Keep in mind, though, that there is a big difference between acknowledging pain and wallowing in it. Wallowing in pain is a life trap. It is the quicksand of achievement. How do you know the difference between acknowledging pain and wallowing in it? There's no precise test. 
But if talking or examining or understanding your pain has become an excuse you use to avoid doing what you need to do, then you're probably wallowing. Hmm. Don't wallow in pain. Confront it. Do it for yourself. Do it for your family. Do it so that you can grow and create happiness. Now let's begin. That's good. Right? Yeah. So with pain and reality and acknowledgement and fear and um, I think even the, 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 the lie that we tell ourselves of like, I'm fearless. Well, no, you're not. Because without fear, there's not actually courage. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so even, even, if, it, even if it sounds scary and it sounds really hard and you're not quite sure how you're going to do it, mm-hmm. the, the key to hope is actually staying in the reality of what it is and, and being in it and finding endurance and steadfastness and excellence in the midst of it so that we can then learn and grow and get on the other side of, of the reality. Not that you're, you're not going to get on the other side of the reality, but mm-hmm. like acknowledging the reality, being in the reality, feeling the reality, struggling through the reality so that you can then learn something about yourself. Mm-hmm. And then on the other side, you look and you're like, oh my gosh, this is what I learned. This is what I did. This is what I persevered through. What else could I do in my life? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so good. It's so good. I think the even as you're talking, I was thinking about the, um, the, just the idea of reality, and 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 it's 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 scary, mm-hmm. you know, because it requires honesty. Yeah, it requires honesty, and then also I think, you know, like walking into something, and. And just knowing that, um, like if you, if there are like parts of your story that you are, um, not that you're like, that you, that you need to, you need to look back on in a way that is not living in the past, um, but that is healing. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think in, in my story, one of the most powerful things that, um, that I have done is actually had the courage to look back on the mistakes that I've made and really like allowed myself to, and this sounds kind of crazy, but allowed myself to be attached and almost present to the woman that I was back when I made those mistakes. Mm. And I got really sad. I got really sad because I didn't know what to do Mm. and I didn't know what to say and I didn't know how to communicate. And so I hurt people. Mm. And one of those people was even me, you know, Mm. making bad bad choices in a way that wasn't like, um, I'm going to make all these bad choices to hurt other people because they hurt me. <laughs> I you don't know? think we ever really do that. No, do <laughs> I mean, it wasn't like malicious or it wasn't, uh, you know, it, I mean, because I do, I do feel like some people like look to hurt other people because they're hurting or because they've been hurt by those people. And, but really, honestly, it was just like, and ask myself questions like, why? how did I get myself to that place? And why did I allow myself to make those choices? Mm-hmm. Why were those decisions back then so tempting? Mm-hmm. Like why and, and how? And it wasn't this like me standing over here saying like why and asking be like, well, I just don't know. So I'm not going to look at it. Be like, no, this is, this has actually been a journey for, you know, a five year journey of looking and being like, what the heck was happening in my mind and in my heart 
But I don't think if if I had chosen to do that in, not in baby steps, but I did a lot of looking where I was comfortable to begin with. And then it came up to me making a choice to actually start or go in a direction where I might not really want to go because I might find some really scary things. Yeah. Um, but it's been, it's been very empowering in a way that has brought me um, just uh, authority in my life. You know, yeah. just in, in who I am as a woman and who I am as a leader and then who I am, you know, being a single woman and even looking at like, gosh, like I want to be married again one day. And what does this look like? You know, what does, what does now knowing who I am and knowing that the mistakes that I made in the past were because I allowed myself to fall to this, this place of just not knowing. So I was like, you know just what the hell. And mm-hmm. I, and that was the kind of attitude that I had. Why not? Um, but really I was denying and I was pretending and I was lying and I was hiding. And, um, and so now looking at like future relationship, it's a little scary because I'm like, wow, like really knowing who I am, I don't know what this is going to look like. You know, I don't know what a real conversation looks like in actually having an opinion or, knowing what I want and letting somebody else know that this is what I want. Um, and I know you can probably, you know, attest to that Lou the same kind of way is like, because you're obviously you're single too. And so I think maybe this could be our next podcast. (laughs) Yeah. I think maybe, maybe as well. Maybe this could be our next podcast. I think it would be, I think it would be great. All my single ladies, all my single ladies, (laughs) all my single ladies, all my single ladies. Yeah, I do. I do too. But it's the the hope, and sometimes you uh, you can find hope in because a lot of us, a lot of people, are hopeless because of even what you said, like what has happened in the past. You know, the times where you failed and you've made mistakes. And I am, but realizing like that's how we learn and that's how we grow. I know. Like if everything goes perfect. Life is so boring and we don't learn a thing. Mm-hmm. We, I, I feel like in, in, a, in, in a situation like life, it is, it is one of those things where you look at and you're like, I made these mistakes. I must, and I made these mistakes multiple times. So this just must be a part of who I am, you know? And so the fear yeah, it of been a habit that you definitely created totally, for sure. Totally. But it's not, it's having that, 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 you know, that knowledge of like, this is the experience of, of myself in this situation. And I can choose to do something different. I can, yeah. I just have to do it, you know? And so like, what do I have to do to do it? Mm-hmm. If I want it bad enough, I'm going to prepare myself not for that. think that you have to have all the answers right now. There's like, what can you do right now? What's the one thing? Because so often we're like, I need to know everything. I have to have all the answers mm-hmm. before I move mm-hmm. forward. I need to think about this and think about it and think about it and think. No, you need to mm-hmm. stop thinking mm-hmm. and you need to just like do stuff. Mm-hmm. Like what is the thing that you can move in on now? What is the reality that you don't have to like wonder if 
do I think, is this a reality for me? What am I lying about? What am I hiding about? Mm -hmm. Like, what am I, you know those things. Mm -hmm. And so it's like getting those and realizing like, I'm not really sure what to do with this, but I'm going to do something with Mm -hmm. it. But we sit around waiting and 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 waiting until we feel like we have all the right answers and we're going to do it all the right way. Mm -hmm. And then we're like, well, but this is, this is how I am. Mm -hmm. I just need to make sure I have all the information. Mm -hmm. Well, you're never going to have all the information. So guess what? You are going to be stuck frozen for your life. Yeah. And being in a state of like inaction is extremely depressing. Yeah. Yeah. So and, true. And it just doesn't, you're not moving in the right direction. Mm-hmm. And so like, I don't know how I'm going to do this and I'm probably going to fail a lot along the way. Like that is so much better because trying to be a better person is better than trying to be a perfect person. Cause mm-hmm. you're not going to be a perfect person. Just be a better person. Yeah. And you're, you can't, I am a firm, firm, firm believer in you cannot do it by yourself. No. You can't. No. You can't, can you do things by yourself? Yes. Are there things that you need to do by yourself? Yes. Are there things where you do not need to pull other people in and have the conversation because you know, you know, you just need to do it. Mm-hmm. But do you, we, we need other people. Like we need each other. And we so need people to come into our messes with us. Yes. And we need to invite them. Mm-hmm. You know, we need to invite them. And, and so the scary part about that is when you invite them in, you don't invite them into like, I'm going to invite you into my mess, but I'm only going to invite you in to sweep the floor. You know, <laughs> yeah. like don't, don't need pay to clean attention out under to the refrigerator. Yes. And then yeah. they, so they see and they remember and they find things and they might do things a little bit differently than you. But ultimately, it will contribute to your growth. And so if you are, if you're listening and you're like, oh my gosh, these are things that I, I, I feel, I feel like what, what you girls are talking about and I need to make a change. Like ask yourself somebody in your life that you trust the most, whether it be your spouse, whether it be your best friend, um, whether who, whoever it is and, and really just share things with them that maybe you've never shared with them before, um, and build the trust with them and invite them into to helping you grow. Yeah, that's yeah. good. Yeah, that's really good. Well, thank you for joining us on this episode of Dear Life I Am In. You can find us on uh, social media. You can find us on Facebook at Drop Gym. You can find us on Instagram at drop.gym. You can find Chantel at chantel.dayton on Instagram. You can find me, Lucian Crenshaw. On Instagram, you can also find us on Facebook. You can also go to our website at dropgym.com. Yes. So thank you for joining us. We'll talk to you next Monday. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.